You're listening to the Homeboys Podcast, recorded in our Indiana office and with combined 40 years of experience. Here's your hosts, Clint and Scott. Hello, real estate investors. You are with the Homeboys. Thanks for joining us. We've got a very fun topic today. We're talking renting versus buying. Everyone has to have a place to live. Do you rent a place or do you buy a place? Uh, It's something that uh, we hear a lot of. Uh, I hear a lot about it in my social circles Mm -hmm. because everyone knows that I'm a real estate guy. But uh, it's kind of dependent on where you live. We're going to get into that a little bit more. First of all, hit subscribe, hit the notifications alerts. We'd love to provide this content to you, and we're going to continue to do so. As always, I'm here with my delightful co-host, Mr. Scott Adams. How's it going? Good, good. Had a bit of a rough rough spell there with family stuff going on and super busy. I know you've you've had a quite a weekend too. It's good to be back in the office doing what we love. It is good to be back. It's uh, I've got a I got a kindergartner, you know, now and mm-hmm. that's posed a lot of nuances and schedule changes and it's just it's weird how sending you know, our oldest to school has changed our lives completely, but it has. But uh, are you in a rhythm with it? No, still no, not. Haven't hit a. Haven't hit a. Yeah. You're a rhythm guy. You're you're a big believer in, in you know the the rhythm of life and setting it up mm-hmm. and the flow. And you're a, you're a, you're a clock puncher. You I like think that's why I, you know, I think we're struggling a little bit. You know, yeah. um, just because our daughter gets up earlier now and we've got to drive her to school. We've got to pick her up from school. You know, sometimes my wife's busy. Sometimes I'm busy. So it's not always her taking her or me taking her or me picking her up or her picking her up. Yeah. You're just kind of all over the place. So it's kind of wild. You're on the opposite end of that. You've got daughters in college. I'm officially an empty nester. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's really, it's, Mandy, luckily, my wife is very busy. We bought into a boutique that's also a um, a charity, so we we own forty nine percent. So basically, or my wife owns clothes for a cause. Yeah. Check it out. Cl- clothes with a cause. Clothes with yeah. a cause. Excuse me. Yeah, it's online, and we've got two brick and mortar stores, and then uh, festivals. I don't know if you saw the pickup truck out front's mm-hmm. gone. Mandy's driving that pickup truck. She's doing some inventory. Yeah, chauffeuring around. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about it. It's well, it's awesome. neat. It's it's and you know it's it's really given her a real passion. We were very blessed to be able to to keep her at home, you know, while we raised the kids. And I, I'm I'm a pretty traditional guy, so it's a huge blessing. Yeah, I mean, it was just it was wonderful. You know, money, uh, you know, isn't nearly as important as, as that time with the family, and and you realize it more than ever when you become an empty nester. How fast? Yeah, it's just like. Sure. You you got to appreciate every second with those mm-hmm. damn kids. Um, but but her store is really neat. You know, she partners with different um, charities. And so all of the proceeds from, you know, if she'll partner, say, with Huma- Hamilton County Humane Society for, for a day. And they'll partner together, do a lot of advertising, and then all of the proceeds from that day go to the, that charity. Um, or they'll partner with one for a whole month, you know, or, or you know, a week or they'll do events. They go to festivals and partner up with all these different charities. Mandy just uh, met the people from, um, I forget the name of it, but they give the suits to people who are trying to get jobs, mm-hmm. like dress for success or something like that. Yeah. You know, so she's like every day she comes home passionate about something new. So it's really neat. It's, it's just cool. 
we're going to get behind it a little bit. Yeah. I know we've got some some stuff coming up uh, holiday time. We've already discussed, you know, buying into a few of the pro- programs. I'm stoked about it because I've always said that you know we've we're very we've always been very giving, but we've never really identified with you know particular charities where we've kind of partnered with and mm-hmm. we're doing that. I'm very excited, not just because it's you know, something that your wife's doing, but it's something that she's doing that's very good for humanity. And, yeah. you know, it's, you, it is better to give than receive. You, you've been a big push pusher for us finding a specific cause. And like you said, we, su- we support every year multiple, you know, multiple things um, and give our time and money to, to th- pretty much the same five or six uh, organizations. But you've always had this drive for, um, that Christmas time uh, helping for those in need. So I think we just found the perfect match for something that's been in your heart for a long time and something we've done. We've given, uh, we've made Christmas happen for, for certain families, um, you know, over the years. But this is a neat program where they, they it's mostly tailored to uh, the homeless. So, Well, I think, I think that our, our hearts have always been in it, but implementation yeah. is... We get busy and, you know, that's a terrible excuse whenever you're talking about, you know, giving back to society, uh, but it is a reality. Um, I'm super stoked that your wife's in on this and that it's, it's an easy way for us to be able to get behind something, you know, also, and, you know, your wife's a, a good woman. Yeah, she's a good woman. And, and that you're right, though, it takes the hardest part of it uh, out for us, which is the planning and the logistics of it. We just, we're busy, you know, we're, we're willing to give and even dedicate our time, but someone needs to tell us when and where and how much, and then we'll be there. But the problem for us is we just, our calendars are bananas. It seems like a lot of that stuff has kind of come together all at once. We've got a new tenant uh, that's expanding into a building that we, we own in Evansville, Indiana. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's another charity. It's called hope.com. Um, that is, um, they're expanding, but their primary their primary uh, focus is feeding the needy. Um, so we're identifying some opportunities there. So it's not a discussion about uh, about charity, but it's, no. it's, uh, we've I feel like we've had a lot going on with the office, and it's feel it feels good to be able to talk about something you know, yeah. a little bit more positive. It's funny because the you know we're passionate about what we do. Obviously we love real estate. We love, you know, all talking about it. We love all of this. Anyone who knows us or watches this podcast knows we can talk for days on real estate. But the thing that really gets us super excited is this stuff. It's fun. It's neat. It's amazing. You know, and, and it brings our company together. It's amazing. Um, it, you know, if you're a small entrepreneur out there and you've got a small business, how much giving or having your company take part, um, in these things really brings, it's a great team building thing. You know, we do, we raise money for <laughs> ducks every year, wildlife, wildlife, mm-hmm. um, and preserving wetlands. Mm-hmm. And so we all go to this banquet. We take the whole team and um, for months afterwards, it's oh, that's just a, a fun different event. vibe. It's yeah. fun, but it brings the team together. Absolutely. Yeah. But, uh, anyhow, kind of segueing into our topic today, um, we're talking renting versus buying. This is a, challenging topic because it just it goes from market to market you know city to city is different um you situation know, to situation yeah. you know what what it what's a better investment there's lots of different opinions out there right. from the real estate gurus you know there's mm-hmm. uh, lots of people that say it's stupid to own lots of people say it's the only way to go right um you know you're talking about your nest you know you 
you live in a house that you own. I, um, I live in a house that I own. Um, I'm kind of a, I'm more of a believer in that more for anything. I'm a, a small town guy at heart. And I like, I like planting my flag. I've talked about it a few times on here that I want my own. This is our space. You know, I feel like you feel the same way. I do a little bit. Growing up, my grandpa, you know, he was, my grandfather was kind of my hero growing up, not kind of, he was my hero growing up. And, and he always talked about, you got to own the dirt. You know, you got to own the dirt under your feet. That way no one can tell you what you can or can't do. You know, he was a World War II vet, pretty conservative guy and believed in, you know, putting your flag up and that's your land and, and you should be very proud of that. That's a, that's a, the American dream is to own it. So, uh, you know, I, I, I agree in the right market, but keep in mind, I rented for a long time too, though. Mm-hmm. So I had a just add water family, you know, added to my life. And at the time I was living in a condo, two bedroom, and we needed a uh, three bedroom house for the kids. And, um, we were moving them from one, uh, one school to another. And so we wanted to be near that school and, there just wasn't much on the market. So we rented while we, mm-hmm. you know, we're waiting for something to come up and the school is in the backyard. You, I'm telling you, you already know this stuff, but we ended up renting. I, how, was that eight years? I think I rented for it. It feels like it was about like that. I mean, yeah, it was going the, back in time. Yeah. So I rented and, and keep in mind, you know, for those that don't know, you know, us, I own lots of real estate. Mm-hmm. So I own, 50 homes at any given time. And, um, I was a renter, so it's not the end of the world. You know, do I believe in it as a way to build wealth? Absolutely. You know, owning your own home, but there's situations where you don't have to do it. And then we can get into the, obviously the market matters too, but it's not the end of the world to rent as long as you own real estate. We're believers in owning real estate, whether that means it's your house uh, that you live in or uh, just a bunch of rentals, either way, you can do both. You can rent and still own the rentals. As long as you're owning something, we believe in it. You know, you were like the greatest renter ever oh, though. Yeah. Cause like you have dogs and right. you know, the, the landlord has a beautiful fence out right. back that, that you installed yeah. for, for, we'd have our crews go over there and paint and fix the house up. That's right. But we, we did everything except add an addition to the home pretty right. much. So he loved you. Oh, I'm yeah. sure he hated to see you leave. Yeah. He was calling me for months afterwards with questions like, Hey, like, the come ten- back. Yeah. Like the, <laughs> the, the tenant said that this is with the water heater and this. And I was like, well, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. You know, I hadn't called him, you know, for, that whole time I was there, not once, not one time did I call him, you know. <laughs> yeah, I wish we had, oh, I yeah. wish all of our tenants were, were yeah. followed that same plan. But, well, let's let's just dive in and say, you know, what is your opinion? You know, renting, you know, versus buying. You know, we can get into uh, market specific, but, you know, as far as where we're at here in Metro Indianapolis, you're in Carmel, Indiana, I'm in Fishers. Yep. Rent versus buy. Well, the cold logic of it, says that you should buy, you know, it's just the, the simple math of the matter in a market like ours, even in, in these hot times, um, the math based on, you know, the historical record of appreciation and, and wealth building, um, and the math of paying down your mortgage while you live there all says that you should, you should own, you know, it's pretty simple, straightforward in, in markets in the Midwest and a lot of other affordable cities. Um, you know, just cold, hard logic of it, says that you should buy, you know, and, and if you're going to be moving soon, you know, you can look at 
whether that works f- or not for you. There's a lot of factors you can you can get into to, to make those decisions. But at the end of the day, the best choice is is to purchase when you're in a market like ours and it, own. It's a little bit more challenging because the market is so hot and it's hard to find properties. Um, I couldn't agree more. I'm, I'm a I'm an ownership guy. Um, I guess some of the benefits of owning, you know, if you have a loan on the property, your interest is tax deductible, right? You know, which is a big which is a big thing. So if you look at, you know, buying versus renting, you know, a thousand dollar mortgage payment um, is a lot different than a thousand dollar rent payment. That thousand dollar rent payment is after tax money; it's gone. See you later. Right? You know, you're giving it you're giving it to your landlord. That thousand dollar mortgage payment, you know, if you were to look at an amortization schedule, you know, every every loan is more interest heavy in the beginning. So let's just, for numbers' sake, say that in the beginning of of your loan on that thousand dollar payment, nine hundred of it is interest. Right. So that interest, you know, is tax deductible. So that's goes a goes a long way. Sure. Well, also that thousand dollar mortgage payment it will get you a you know, $200,000 home, right? Is that about right? I'd have to do the math. Ish. I mean, you know, a lot of that depends on you know, uh, ta- interest rates the, and the interest long. rates and, you know, the, the taxes yeah. for a certain area, you know, there's certain areas that have right. higher, you know, property taxes. But a thousand dollars in rent doesn't get you a, a rental of a $200,000 home. So no. like, as an example, my mom's condo, they, they, they're worth about 180,000. Her payment on it, because she bought a little while ago, is only $450, mm-hmm. you know, to rent in there, it's, it's 1500 a month. So you can also, if you buy, you can also get a lot more bang for your buck. If you're just looking at monthly, you know, your monthly nut, mm-hmm. you know, on a place. And it's like you said, there's tax deductions in there. So you can get a lot more house for your dollar if you purchase, right? you know, but you got to have down payment. There's some, there's some things, you know, there's a, some risks too to buying right now in any market. You're, we are, we are at the top of what we've seen for um, a long time and whether it's, this is the top and there's ever, yeah, you know, in, in my real estate right. career. So it could keep going up. I mean, you know, we don't have a crystal ball. It could flatten out, but there's a, there's a slight risk that you're buying at the top of the market. And then there's going to be a dip. It's, it's not a very high risk in, in middle America, most of these markets, because we're still below cost to build. Um, meaning that if you buy a house for 150,000, it probably costs 200,000 to build that. So you're not going to drop a whole ton. Good um, point. Um, so th- there's some there's some real intrinsic value in in still buying at these prices in, in the mid middle America markets, but there is some risk. Mm-hmm. You know, you you could buy uh, a property for you know say a starter home for two hundred fifty thousand dollars here, and when you go to sell it in five years, you can only get two twenty for it. Right. You know, there's there's that risk, and if you're renting, you don't have that risk. You just move. Very true. And, and you'll, and also if you, if you're, if you buy and then you get a job transfer, say, or you lose your job and you have to move, Mm -hmm. you don't get to time the market. You have to sell when you have to sell. So there, there's risks involved with buying, Um, you know, but there's enough upside that just cold, hard logic and math tells you, you should still buy in markets like this. Yeah. My, my motivations have, have changed um, around my family. Yeah. Pretty much. You know, for me, it was always about owning through my 20s and 30s because I used the homes that I lived in as an investment vehicle. So I'm in my 13th home since 01, which is mind-blowing to a lot of people, you know, especially considering 
I've only had three in the last 10 years. So when you talk about my first, you know, 10 years, I mean, I was on the move. Um, and for me, that was, I was young. I didn't really care. You know, if I, I had a couch and a bed and a TV, and that's basically all, all I was moving around. And if I could make some money on my place, that's, that's what I did. Um, so like owning, you know, a lot of times I'd do the remodel around the house. So, you know, owning was just an investment vehicle for me. So meaning you would buy the house for below market, a house that needed some stuff. Mm -hmm. You'd fix it up while you were living there. And then as soon as that paint was dry, you'd put a sign out there in the yard and you'd make 10, 20 grand and move on to the next right. one. And I'd have to pay taxes on it because, you know, the, the, the tax laws are, you have to live in a house two out of the last five years. And I, I wasn't, I wasn't doing that. So, you know, I, I owed capital gains tax on it, but but, you know, I, I've kind of went back to what my dad's line of thinking was. I remember always telling my dad whenever I was bouncing around from house to house, and he thought that it was like the craziest thing ever. He, you know, because he said, you know, for me, I, the house, and I, I, I lived in the same childhood home, you know, my whole life. Right. My, my parents bought it and, you know, built it in 75. My mom's still in it to this day. Um my dad, my dad. I basically said, have my own bedroom over there. You do, you do. Whenever we have business in <laughs> right. Indiana, we we stay stay at Hotel Weatherall down there. But uh, but anyhow, you know, he he had said it was never about an investment for me. It was about a place to raise you and John, my, me and my brother. Right. Um, and man, I always thought that was so ridiculous. I was like, man, you know, when you're buying a house, I mean, it's got to be about investment. Hmm. But you know, fast forward to today, you know, I've got two and five year old girls. Right. Um, you know, we are in the process of, of, of building a house. Uh, we bought land. Um, it's got a small farmhouse on it. Now we're going to build back behind it. And I'm not really investment savvy about this, you know, at all. It's about trying to build something that I can raise my family in. We've got aging parents, about, you know, having a place for them to stay if need be. Um, you know, the investment has kind of went out the window. So for me, you know, I want to build our special place. Right. And so buying, you know, I have to, I have to buy to be able to have that. So you've changed me. So I, I've always, I was always the same way you were with it needing to make a lot of sense. Even when I bought this house that we live in now, it was on my dream little spot in Carmel where we live. You know, there's one, basically one lake in Carmel. And I always wanted to be on it. I grew up fishing there and sneaking around, stealing people's boats and going, you know, going You're fishing. Such a hell yeah. He is such a bad kid. Yeah. But my dream was always to be on it. And so I was waiting for a value to happen. And I luck, luckily, I, after many years of looking, I found value on it. But after that, once I got into it, you, you really seeing the way that you have changed and um, the things that you value the most about your home and making it the way you like have, have, has really uh, changed me. You know, I, I, I've overspent in my yard, which anyone that knows, you, you won't get that fully back. I mean, you can put money in kitchens and baths and you probably can get, you know, you'll, you'll get that back. Yards, it's always questionable, but I have this yard that I just love and I just said, screw it. I don't, I'm not going to look at what the value is. You know, every other home I've ever had, I fixed it up based on how those dollars would maximize the home, not my use of it, Right. how they would maximize the home. So that's new for me too. I'm not used to 
making a home where I hang my flag and how I want it. So I don't think there's any shame in that though. You know, once you reach a certain point and we own a lot of other real estate that you can maximize, you know, but when people are young, I, I think that it's good advice to do what we did and, and to maximize your home's value. Oh, it worked. Yeah. And you don't have to go out and even buy, you know, as is foreclosures and fix them up. You can just maximize your home's potential and not over improve areas where you won't get it back and maximize your home and then move on to the next one. And you can just do that as a, a traditional home buyer. You'll leave a little, you'll have to leave a little of the passion out. You know, if, you know, if you want a koi pond in your backyard, you're not getting their money back out of that. So, you know. But I, I, I think that you're saying that you and I have both changed to where quality of life is valued more than the investment at this point. Yes. Yeah. You know, I've been to your house you know, yeah. many times. You know, you you've got your kayaks lined up. Yeah. You know, in your my OCD, yeah. my fishing poles lined up lined exactly up. right. You know, and you know, I, I know that you bought that house right. You you got a good price on it. You the improvements you've done are amazing. Um, you could make a lot of money. Oh, easily. Yeah, yeah I, I shouldn't. I. I definitely could make a lot of money on it. I, I mean, I and the market has gone up. So, you know, I, I did a balance of the two. I mean, my plan, though, is to never sell it. Mm-hmm. You know, Mandy and I even, so I, I have a special needs aunt and, and aging parents. And so we have uh, plans drawn up, as you know, f- well, I shouldn't say drawn up, bought them for $99 for a garage with living space out back because we'll probably have to have my special needs aunt. Um, if she outlives all my, all my other uncles and aunts mm-hmm. move in with us. So for us, it's our forever home. It really is, you know, and, and we like Florida, so we'll be down there a lot too, but, but we did it as our forever home. But at the end of the day, you're right. I mean, you can still build value and equity in, in that place. Plus I've, I, you know, I got a, sh- I believe I got a 30 year mortgage, but I pay double payment. So I basically pay it as a 15 so you can, I believe in building wealth that way. And, and we see online, I just want to touch on this real quick. This is almost a sidebar, but you see people online say, put as little down as you can and refi every chance you can. We do not believe in that. We just do not. We believe, as, and, and you want to talk about a great way to sleep at night. It's to have your own home paid off in full, you know, and I know there's a lot of people out there who say, well, you're not tapping that you know, what you could out of that. And then, you know, rolling that and leveraging it into more wealth and becoming a millionaire that way. And don't get me wrong. We believe in leveraging. We're just very conservative in it. And we don't believe in leveraging your personal life. Leverage doesn't mean peace of mind for me. Right. Um, you know, I, I know that leveraging is, is a huge topic for, for everyone, and especially like early real estate investors, you know, cause they don't, they haven't built, you know, a their nest egg yet, but I've just never wanted to owe, you know, mountains of money out right. there. For, the, for the, those who don't know, when people say the word leveraging, it's real simple. It just means you, you borrow against your assets. So, you know, you have a home worth 400,000. When they say, let's leverage it and turn it into something else, they mean borrow every penny you can out of that $400,000 right. house. So with personal, our personal opinions, Yes, buying can be a great investment vehicle. Buying can also be a great way to provide something special for your family and, you know, stake your, your, your flag in the front yard and it be, you know, yours. Let's look at the opposite. So 
I listen to a lot of these gurus, you know, through YouTube or social media. I've read, you know, a few, a few books. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've, I've read uh, a lot of Grant Cardone, you know, Grant Cardone, you know, he's the 10X guy. He wrote the, the book 10X, you know, the 10X rule, I believe is what it's called. I only know him from videos of him on big, private planes and Bentley's. Bentley's and that's what, that's, that's him. That's what he does. But, you know, he says that you're an absolute fool if, you know, you buy a place that right. you should rent. You know, like, and I think he said, well, you, you, uh, you go on vacation, you're renting a, you know, a room and then you're, you know, you're done with it. You know, you should do the same, you know, with your house. And if anything goes wrong with it, you have your landlord, uh, you know, do it. Um, and like I've, I've said on this podcast before, I just, I don't believe in that because it's just, that's not what I want. That's, that's his, that's his opinion. But I've also heard our financial advisor, we have the same financial advisor and we both love him. Right. Cause you know, I'm talking to him about the house that I'm building. He's like, well, you know, I don't, I don't really consider your house, you know, when your house being paid off part of your investment plan, right. Because it doesn't produce, you know, any, any money, right. You know, it doesn't produce any income. So what would you say to that? Well, I'd say I, I kind of agree, mm-hmm. you know, it's, Sure, it's part of your net worth, but at the end of the day, this you and for conservative people, it's just a place for us to live where we don't have payments and it doesn't cost us anything. You know, for for a lot of average folks out there, um, they want to use it as a piggy bank and part of their investment. So, really, the difference between uh, and I don't necessarily disagree with Grant Cardone either, but uh, the difference between kind of all these philosophies. To me, it's just kind of a scale. It's from black all the way to white. And it's just like, how how conservative do you want to be versus how aggressive? You know, if you want to talk about the extreme aggressive, um, it's it's the Grant Cardone plan and the people who say refi till you die, you know, and just constantly refi. Those are the two most, mm-hmm. you know, aggressive ways to do this. You know, you, you don't spend money on your own home because you want to be out there just busy making money. And, you know, I don't know. I like, I like quality of life better than I like that kind of philosophy. And that could be another podcast, you right. know, work-life balance. I mean, it's very important. Yeah, and, I, don't wanna, I don't want to own a private plane. I don't want I, – I, the, the things that pe- people are attracted to with guys like him and, and follow, you know, the kind of people that follow them, they probably w- won't want – conservative advice on how to build real wealth. Mm -hmm. You know, they want to be rich and, you know, and, you know, drive those cars and our plan, I, you could do that, but we just believe in more sound investing for conservative kind of middle America. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, yeah, I mean, renting because you don't want to any ties or any extra expenses, you know what your nut is every month. That's fine, but you're just you're living a life focused on money, and it just seems shallow to me. I'm glad that uh, you don't want a private plane. Yeah, we could we couldn't be friends. Yeah, I know, I know we couldn't. <laughs> right? I don't know. My my, my friends aren't people that are in private right. planes. I, I picked my dad up on Friday, and and I had our. Uh, we, you and I have a farm truck and then we also have a Silverado that was our maintenance guy's old truck that right. we put a new engine in it because it's a truck and you can. Right. And so I picked him up in that and he's like, what the hell are you driving? I was like, my dream car. It's amazing. Silver, right? yeah. Silverado, 2007 Silverado. I love it. It's amazing. He's like, this is crazy, Scott. And I was like, I love it. 
Well, I just think there's something to be said from that. I, you know, I think that uh, you know we ha- we hang out with a lot of successful real estate guys here yeah. in town. None of those guys are Bentley um, driving, you know, chauvinistic people. I think there's something to be said, you know, for for being modest yeah. in, in what you do. And I was with someone this weekend that um, I happen to know this because I know his banker, but I know that he has forty million liquid. So um, liquid at that ba- at their bank, and he's got a lot of other real estate assets. And um, he was driving it. It's a 2013 Chevy Silverado. Mm-hmm. You know. Oh, I know. Right? Boots 2013. and holy jeans Correct. and you know, everything, everything else that, uh, right. that you would think that doesn't show success. But he could buy the room out, yeah. you know, 10 times over. Well, those are the people that I, that I really respect right. and looked up to. You want to talk about a peace in life. I mean, you have no worries at a level. Right. You know, I guarantee um, some of the gurus who drive, you know, the Lamborghinis and all of those, they're leveraged. You know, their net worth might not be very much at all, actually. Mm-hmm. And if the sky ever comes falling on them, they're going to be left starting from scratch. And those kind of guys will always be okay. But, man, there, there's this lifestyle, that there's this attractiveness to that lifestyle because it seems substantial and, like, you can have everything and it's the power behind it. Um, but... You know, I've been around a lot of those folks. I kind of lived that way early in my career. You were smart enough not to. Um, it's it's not it's nothing compared to conservative investing and buying real estate and having this freedom of financial <laughs> financial freedom. I mean, it's genuine financial freedom. You know, where if everything stopped tomorrow, you and I would be fine. Well, and you know that kind of leads to a different topic, but it kind of leads into I think you know your relationships are so much more important than your possessions, you know, anyway, but, uh, but anyhow, let's, let's get into something else along the rent. And we're talking about, you know, middle America, you know, Midwest here in Indianapolis, you know, what changes when you look at renting versus buying, say, you know, we have a ton of customers in the Bay area. Um, you know, if you're talking about San Francisco or New York or Los Angeles or Chicago or some of these places, does it change? Oh, of course. You know, you, it comes to the point where buying becomes more expensive than renting. So the example that we used earlier was your mortgage payment of a thousand dollars can get you a $200,000 house where, um, renting a thousand dollar house gets you a hundred thousand dollar house. So you get, you know, less house renting here where it's the opposite out there. You know, you, you, you would buy and get less house than you could rent. So it just doesn't make sense. And there's a lot of people who've done very well, ignoring that advice Mm -hmm. very well because the market has gone up. But if you're going to count on that forever, you're going to be in big trouble. And there's been lots of ups and downs out there too. What happens if you have to sell it or down? So in, in these high markets, we just believe in renting. It's just... The risk is just so much so more. So high. It's so much money. And you can you can still own real estate. You don't want to miss out on on the the greatest wealth builder that America has to offer, which is real estate. It's it's made more millionaires than anything else. It's, it's how generations pass it down. Um, and so you can still own, but you should rent in those markets. I was listening to that podcast I told you about last night about about um, the, this early African-American um, kind of entrepreneur from, from 1905. And um, 
he made a lot of money in the record business and then he started a newspaper. And at the end of the day, he wanted to give back to his community. And he was worried that the black community at that time was not having generational wealth Mm -hmm. passed down because they didn't own a lot. And he, so he came up with two ideas. One was an insurance company that just sold life insurance because life insurance passes money from one to the other and real estate and getting them to own. So his two legacies are he built he designed most of Chicago's um, outer suburbs where there was land because he wanted his community that was being left out of owning real estate to be able to get into it. And the black community at that time was circled by white community. So white community could expand all they want. The black community mm-hmm. had X spot in the early 1900s that they could be. And he was like, well, we're never going to be able to grow. So this brilliant man looked at this as a generational thing. So, um, it, it was just interesting to, to see that same um, thing we preach. This genius guy in 1905 was was already looking that for his own community. And and it, it made me realize what part of the reason we're so passionate about, you know, sharing these messages is owning real estate really is that generational wealth builder. And so we believe you should own it. But renting is okay in those markets, right? Absolutely. I, like I said, I would not be comfortable with the risk tolerance that you'd have to have. And let's, I, I always talk about San Francisco, but it's a market that you and I know very well. We've spent a lot of time in, but you know, I know what, what my ceiling for purchase would be here in the Midwest. Um, yeah. And then you take that same ceiling out to the Bay area and you, you're left. I mean, you, you have something, you know, so small and, you know, little and, you know, and, but on top of that, it, the risk of it in a bad downturn, like say what we saw like during the Great Recession, and you've got X and all of a sudden you lose 40% of its value, you know, quickly. You know, we never see 40% decreases here in Indiana, right. you know, whereas some of these larger markets, if you have a bad, you know, a, a bear market or a recession like we had in 2008, I mean, you're stuck. Right. Like, I mean... You well, buy a two million dollar house and it goes down forty percent. That's eight hundred grand right. that you just lost. Yeah. Whereas you could buy here and have a two hundred thousand dollar house that goes down by twenty percent in worst case. And that I mean those the, it's a very different risk profile. Different. I mean hugely different. Right. So like I don't know. I, you'd almost have to you don't pick it up like we did early in our career, like we were picking up real estate here. You almost would have to do that in a major market like that and realize that, you know, in a, in a time when cash is king, which cash is not king today. Right. um, You know, you would have to be able to pick it up when, when cash would be king. Yeah. I'd say 20% of our sales right now are to our clients in California that are 1031 exchanging their own personal homes. Cause they've sold a piece of real estate during this huge run up. I mean the personal homes. We probably are selling heck Probably 40% of our sales right now are 1031s in California. But I'd say half of those are specifically their own individual home. Right. And they're going to still live out there. They're just going to rent now. They're, they're we just had some clients um, in a couple weeks ago that sold their house in California, uh, their personal residence. They're doing a 1031 exchange, yeah. buying some properties here. They were here. at the Fisher's house that mm-hmm. we have. Yeah. Um, and a few other, few other places yeah. with Jamie. But uh they moved to they moved to Canada. Oh, they did. They did. I didn't, you didn't tell mm-hmm. me that part. Yeah, they sold in California. That's and interesting. Got out. Moved to moved to Canada. But you know, we're seeing we're seeing. You know, I think you're seeing a lot of people leave California 
you know, as well. There's, you know, and I'm, I told I'm you that U-Haul po- story. Politics, but I told you the U-Haul mm-hmm. story, how they were supposedly, you know, it cost like X number of dollars to, to take one out of California, but they'd just give it to you for free if you were moving there. Correct. Because they were running out of U-Hauls because everyone was pulling out. It's crazy. It is. It's a nutty world over there. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I, it's also very interesting. So we, we have... Um, we know a couple of people who are software engineers out there, and it's just shocking to me what, what people are paid to live in those markets. You know, I mean, half a million dollars salary is not unheard. I mean, it's common. Oh, it's almost the norm with right. Silicon Valley, you know, folks. It's and like a whole other land. It's mm-hmm. in many ways, it is its own economy out there. It is. <laughs> it's crazy. Well, wrap us up. Okay. Renting, renting versus buying. Yeah, What's so, your final thoughts? I think the easiest way to sum up my thoughts are you should buy in middle America if you can. It's a, it, it's a great little wealth builder. Um, it's nice to own your own land, too, and provide for your family that way. It's, it's just neat. Um, you don't have to force it, though, because you can always own real estate by owning rentals. We, we, if, if you're not going to buy your own home, at least buy a couple of rentals. You have to get in on the wealth building of real estate. You can't miss out on it. You know, it's it's how your parents built wealth. It's how Americans build wealth. If you're in those other markets, um, you know, coastal markets, um, any of those super hot markets, it's okay to rent. And actually, you can talk to your financial advisor, and they can it, and they can run through the numbers for you. But it's almost always going to be better to rent than buy in those markets for yourself. I couldn't agree more. You know, you and I both, you know, own our homes. We're big believers in owning our own homes. Mm-hmm. I think it's important that to everyone that's listening, you know, talk to your local real estate expert. Hopefully you have one and make sure that they're an expert, you know, yeah. talk to your accountant, you know, see what the true advantages are of buying and what the tax advantages are of buying and listen to, you know, your local real estate expert. You know, the market has shot up like crazy. That really affects a person's buying decision. In my opinion, you know, you have to do that, but you know, for, for us, we're family men, you know, I believe in having a place to raise my family, so does Scott. So we're huge into, you know, owning, you know, your real estate. You know, if you want to go fishing or kayaking, you know, hit Scott up. He loves having people over. If you want a cold bush light, come on over to the house. I'll throw some meat on the grill. But uh, but anyhow, that's our show for today. If you have any questions about renting or buying, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. Again, click subscribe. Be around for our next podcast. Until next time, happy investing. Happy investing.